0: Hi everyone, Dara from Byzantine Design here, otherwise known as the most beautiful tile store in Melbourne. Welcome to this conversation series where I interview designers, architects, and suppliers that inspire me so that we can learn how they got to where they are and the importance of tiles in design. Fundamentally, this is a vehicle for me to talk about my favorite topic, tiles. Hi, James, how are you? How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you faring in this crazy, weird time that we're living in at the moment?
1: Um, it's completely unprecedented, isn't it? It's it's strange. I think it took us all by shock and it's as much dealing with the business and what's going on as, as, it, as it is um, dealing with clients and their expectations and, and giving them confidence and making sure that they feel okay through the whole process as well because all of the clients that I deal with are, um, you know, are spending money and they're either renovating or building new homes and, the level of homes that I deal with comes with a budget. So if they're feeling unsure or economically worried, then that you know that can affect their confidence in their job and, and flows onto the level of their selections and what they want to be doing in the home.
0: Absolutely, it's um, yeah. I found here that we're okay with everything that's continuing, but anything new, has got a big question mark over it.
1: Yeah, look, I've got a spread, you know, a bit. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've been doing this for a little while, like you, yeah. we look amazing, but we're not, you know, we're not spring chickens, <laughs> We're not like new into it. So we've sort of ridden through the times before. Um, yeah. And with that comes a level of confidence with the clients as well and a, and a way to communicate with them. I'm, I'm pretty lucky that I've got a, you know, a pretty widespread um, client base, including mm-hmm. builders and developers and people who are building, you know their homes, and because their level of homes, the level of size of property that I deal with too, that sort of comes with. They've usually got finance or backing or something already in place, and that's been happening before this ha- started. Now, so like many people, I'm talking to lots of different businesses. You'd be doing the same, um, yeah. About can we ride through now, or is it actually there's something happening that we haven't even hit yet? That's normally inquiries that are happening now that lead to jobs in a few months time is that's actually is that actually where we're going to be affected we sort of don't know know?
0: yeah there's plenty of unknowns it's very yeah it's very weird time and i think it's just a day-to-day take it as it comes and each week is completely different to the other um and it's been what five weeks or something
1: yeah look we we had a warning of it first off so we were booked we were supposed to be in Milan last week or the week before. We were supposed to be in Milan and then Dubai. Oh no! So we were booked in to go to the <laughs> fair. Um, and Sandro's family, my partner in crime and partner in the business, um, he's born in Rome, as, as you know. Um, and the family's still there. His brother and sister are the Sorello or Fratello. They're all of the, um, they're still in Italy and their family. So we were listening to it happening because they got hit quickly, badly, um, and then we were contacted by the guy we had the Airbnb booked through in Milan to say it's been postponed. So that was the first, you know, wave the flag, something's happening here. Um, so we sort of started to watch it and address things and be aware probably before we were publicly in the country, because we felt closer yep. to them, because we had family directly uh, affected and businesses. So um, it's been a little while now, um, and I don't want to, you know, say anything bad. but. I sort of feel like at the moment, I think this is, I think it's a really positive thing. We're watching mums and dads walking with their kids down the street. The park has got families that aren't normally there. There's dads jogging with their daughters past the studio, you know, like there's people spending time with their family and and contacting people. I'm ringing people out of the blue, like, you know, you and I have spoken. I've got other friends that Mm. we're that you're touching base with that you sort of start to feel like who's important. Have I spoken to this person? It's making us reconnect in. Could, there's a lot, I think there's lots of silver lining to the cloud. Of course, there's a really bad side and there's, you know, people have been badly affected and financially affected. And of course, people have passed away. Like it's, it's not a good thing, but the outcome of it can be quite positive. I, I think it's got a lot of positive things for socially, you know, of how Probably. we treat each Probably. other and how we value stuff.
0: I think the gift of it all is time. Mm. It's given people time to spend time with their families or connect with friends or time to work on their businesses or to, you know, to get that thing done that they've always said wanna have time.
1: Yep, yeah, so, and it's yeah. made slow down. We're all, we're all in a hurry and we're all rushing like we do. I work crazy hours. Mm. Um, and most weekends, um, and which is great because I love it, and I love how I've always loved houses. Um, but um, yep. it does make you slow down. And I tell you what, I don't know about you. I'm looking at your studio in the background; it's super neat and organised. But yours always is. Um, mine's creative chaos. Um, so I have limited surfaces here because I cover all of them with everything. Yep. And I'm likely to go yep. out with bags to see clients and then come back and drop them, and then take more stuff to see another client. And you know, it can be just like chaos here, um, but hmm. I've been through the library sorting stuff out, cleaning, yeah. um, looking at documentation. I've, I've been really using it in a positive way, um, which is great. It actually makes me feel quite positive as about the business and about the whole, what we're going through.
0: Yeah, I think it's a big spring clean, even though we're getting yeah. into winter. So a winter clean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about, like we've known each other for... I was trying to work it out. Eight years, nine years?
1: Yeah, I think we were like twenty or twenty-one or something when we met. Totally.
0: Yeah, yeah. We met on the dance floor. Yeah. But,
1: uh, um, well, I remember meeting you. Um, I met you as my mm. stone rep. Um, so I had this chick walk in who had like an immense amount of hair, which you do have. And as I get older, I <laughs> value this amount of hair that you have. Um and you were this rock chick. You came in with sort of you were never rude. You had funky rock attitude, and you dressed like a rock star. Um, so it was like, who is this walking into my studio? You know, um, I don't know. Something clicked, didn't it? We were quite lucky. Did. We got immediately. Um, without sort of, uh, you know, great Australian expression, without peeing in your pocket, um, you knew your stuff. You know, you knew your stuff. You knew Stone. You could, you could um, debate this side of heated argument about the pros and cons of different stones and marbles. And, and of course that flowed into tiles, like it's the same world. So, um, yeah, I, yeah. I liked you cause you had a bit of spunk and, but you had knowledge about your product and I think that's the important, um, I've got a lot of connections and friendships like you that I've made through the industry. I think we're pretty lucky. It's a great industry to work in. Um, but also, it's great if we get along. It's a bonus, right? If we like to spend time to to spend time to do something together, work on a project and all those things. Um, but fundamentally, you've got to know your shit and you've got to know what you're talking about. And um, yeah. I like to think I do and and, and, and and you did and do. So, you know. I know you were jealous though, because I'm, I got here, so everyone watching knows Dara How Much life stone. So this little bracelet is made of little balls of Carrara because I went to Carrara last year. And um, yeah, can you see? Um, and so I went driving up into the hills, right up in the top, looking down is in the huge quarry of Carrara. Um, it's sort of like on the west coast straight off from Florence almost um, in Italy. Um, so I sound like a big skite, but. Yeah, some people just want to go to Vegas and do all of the amazing things and I want to go travel to a stone quarry.
0: Ah. I'm going say, like anywhere I go, like I went to the Sistine Chapel and looked at the floor.
1: Yes. Well, normally, when we go over, I mean, we go overseas each year, right? Because we go, we go once a year, sometimes twice a year, to, and we do it for work. So everyone's watching going, shut up. But that's what we do. Um, and so nor- it's normal for or He's an artist. I mean, hang on, there's one of his paintings up behind me. Um, but um, so he's a painter and sculptor. So we walk into, you know, a, a cathedral or a basilica. And of course, he looks straight up and I look straight down. So I, I understand you. We can, we've done travelling together too to, to the Tile Fair.
0: Have yes, to Bologna. Yes. This big so how did you talk me through how you started in the industry, how you like when you real when you decided this is what you wanted to do. Um, A long time ago. So Okay, it a long time back.
1: Yeah. Well, it's Well, Do you know what's really bad? Some of my documentation online and in magazines and stuff, I talk about, you know, um, I have over 20 years experience in the building and design industry and now I've got to go, oh, shit, I think it's getting close to 30. 30. <laughs> so, um, yeah, behind this exterior of this wrinkle-free face, which is all natural, um, the uh, I was the kid who just <laughs> loved houses. So I've still got all my Lego. I've got a twin brother yep. and we had a lot of Lego, like, immense, because we always got double everything. Um... And I always built houses. So I loved houses. And when I left school, um, I I didn't get the marks that I wanted to go and do. My sister's a valuer, so she's a rural valuer um, of property. Um, And I didn't get the marks that I wanted to do. And I was really quite throwing at that age because I I didn't lack education in what I wanted to do, but the marks that I wanted to get into the specific courses were were high. I thought if I can't design them like an architect and I can't value them and I can't deal with them, what am I going to do? I'm going to bloody sell them. So I went to TAFE two nights a week for three years and worked at the local bottle shop and worked at a catering company, um, and studied to get my advanced certificate in real estate and worked in real estate and ended up managing property for like I was, I was 20 and 21 managing 1500 properties, believe it or not, which was so much manual then. And I just loved it. And you know what? Through that time I learned, so much about how houses were presented, what they looked like, how people dealt with property when they looked at it. Because this is pre-styling, nothing like that was around. This is the late 80s, early 90s. So pre-internet. People, pre-internet, um, used to go to windows and look in properties, mm. put, place the ads. It was a lot about communication and meeting, you know, face-to-face like this is what we've come back to, you know, where yep. it's real mm. connecting with people and having confidence. Um, so then I set off onto a trajectory, really, and, and I had some side things that I did uh, over that time, but I started working off in real estate and understanding that um, led me off into really connecting through building. So I went and worked for a major builder um, in New South Wales um, and through them, I worked with them for a number of years and I started to take on every division that I could. So I studied uh, Diploma of Horticulture Landscape Design. Um, which I did that, I don't know oh, if you know that. I didn't know that. I did, yeah, Iliocarpus matriculatus. I learned all my Latin, I sound like someone from Harry Potter. Um, so I um, I did that for many, many years. And, and do you know what, it's funny when I deal with students, talking to design students, because people come from all these various backgrounds, but all of that study of landscape, I don't like to tell clients, because then they want me to help them with their landscape plan, which I don't want to do. Um, yeah. But I still use so much of that knowledge of garden design and planting and, and placement because it's all so much the same rules as interior design.
0: And even mm-hmm. the
1: catering that I worked in with my twin, we used to work on harbour cruises in Sydney Harbour when we were like, we were actually underage. Um, that the quote. Yeah, the, the guy who owned the catering company, my mum and dad, we were serving alcohol at like 17. Um, but it's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and um, all of that knowledge of working in commercial kitchens actually gave me the leg up when i then worked for a builder and one of the guys came and said listen james we we know you're great with clients you know houses you know design all this stuff what do you know about kitchens and i go well actually i've worked in commercial kitchens i know a lot about kitchens he goes great we want you to go and become a kitchen designer and head the new kitchen department and create this new kitchen showroom for us Oh, okay, no worries. So I went up and became a kitchen designer. And then that flowed to a bathroom designer. And then I, so I basically think I worked all my way around the house in every industry before then I started to work for myself um, and take clients through the building and selection process and help them with that. So I've worked for myself and had my own business now uh, since 2000. 20 years. So
0: what (laughs) (laughs) because the 1990s feels like 10 years ago and it's yeah yeah yeah. it does yeah Yeah. um what age were you when you started doing all the kitchens and things how long ago was that
1: um so in the in the 90s late 90s i was doing stuff already with that um yeah it was a different world so we used to have um always do you know, it's funny, Cassandra is a painter and sculptor and he talks about when he learns studying art about the importance of line drawing and drawing by hand, like that's basic skill. Yeah. So I still have, I still do all my sketch, like, look, I've, look, what have I got? This is, I still meet with clients and do that and draw a kitchen 3D in front of them to give them a nut okay. out of what I want, still. Um, and then it gets transferred from that to I draw it up properly and then it gets done up on SketchUp, so. Um, yep before that, you know, so I still, I still think those basic rules still have to work, um, as a skill base. Um, so yeah, I was sort of late nineties and then it flowed on and, you know, I think it's funny because this, when you say interior design, there's such a wide scope of where people end up working in that, you know, you, you have a tile store, a tile gallery and you sell tile and stone, but you have so much innate, design knowledge because you have to because it flows onto how you understand how the product that you're selling and specifying for people is used in jobs. Like you have to understand that, you know? So I deal with people who come out qualified oh, designers and they're not going to be uh Greg Natale. They're not going to be um, you know, a big stylist. They're not going to be in TV and all that stuff, they might end up working in a tile store or in a flooring company and be amazing at it and have a hugely successful career because all of their knowledge and their passion has been directed into that or, you know, kitchens or tapware or tiles or, or, or ovens or appliances. Do you know what I mean? Like there's such a wide scope. That's one of the exciting things about the industry.
0: Did I answer you that's question? That's how I started. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, that's how I started. It was... Um, I wanted to do the courses and back then they were outrageously expensive and I couldn't afford it. So I w- took a job in a tile store because the ad said an interest in interior design would be advantageous. Yes. And well, 20 something years ago. Um,
1: it's funny where you flow through. Do you know, so when I went back, I was working in I was doing landscape design for clients who were lodging houses because they were charged so much to do landscape plans that I thought, I can do this, right? So I'd get the big plans mm. through the builder. I'd meet with a client. I'd go home and I'd liquid paper on the plans and I'd print off sheets and stick them on it and then draw back over it and then take it to the photocopy first thing in the morning and re-photocopy it and then sell that to the client, which they'd take to council and lodge. And council landscape plans were like costing 1200 bucks or something. And I said, oh, I can do this for about six, 650, you know? So it was big deal for me. And it was a good thing to have on the yeah. side. And the builder was happy because I was saving the client's money. So I learned a lot from not really, like being confident and having a go, like I wasn't wasting people's time. I really overstudied and overthought what they were doing. But the same as you, I, I um, yeah. I started working with clients during the selection process because I had so much knowledge in the back end of kitchens and bathrooms and things. And then I thought, oh shit, I'm working with clients building these big homes, the houses were getting more expensive. I better go do something. So I went to Enmore TAFE and did a, a, a Wednesday night and a Saturday course to get a, 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 a colour consultation. That was my first qualification in, in design um, mm-hmm. to become a qualified colour consultant, which was like, you know, I was like 3K or something for this course. but. Uh, It gave me confidence because then a lot of stuff that I was doing innately, I then sort of understood the theory behind why that worked, Um, and uh, yeah, it gave me confidence in my job. So I I think people, some people naturally have great skill when it comes to putting things together and selection. So there's mums and dads out there who can create a beautiful space and they've never stepped in a design school or studied or anything. That's just normal. But then there's other people who we have taste, but you qualify and you learn things about yourself and you learn processes. And you learn reasons why you do you do things when you then have um, qualification to back yourself up, so you know, like diploma and 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 certificates and other stuff. So that's what I've ended
0: up doing. And you learn all about the history and everything of design as well. So you, yeah, the fundamentals.
1: Yeah, placement and of course historical architecture and placement. I mean. If you, if you love what you do, you tend to become good at it because you do it more often. So, you know, you become a great bike rider because you ride the bike. So if you want to enter into this industry and you think it's just going to be easy and you're going to walk in and get some amazing job and in six months, you're going to be the manager. And, and I, I just don't think that happens. Um, I read, I look at the books, I drive everywhere, I can't stop, you know, Sandro says, can we just go to the corner and have a coffee at the coffee shop, when we could do that, um, without you redesigning every second house? And I go, well, that's not gonna happen, because that's just who I am, like, I, I can't, it's in me, right, I love it. So, if you're passionate about it, then I think you learn all of those other skills that you need to have, because, you know, you know yourself, right? I, I'm an interior designer, I'm qualified, I have my certificates, I have all that stuff, and I've got years of experience but that's not enough because I've got to be a social media expert. I have to deal with problem resolution. I have to deal with builders and clients. I have to do bloody tax. I have to work out where my studio is going to go. I have to like, you know, running a business for anyone who runs their own business is a huge job. Then you have to do whatever it is that you're a vet or you're a, whatever you are in this case interior design. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like, it's wow here's my vibe yeah. in. You learn all this stuff and there's more contacts these days, more accessibility to online tools to help you with all of that stuff. But a lot of the processes where you know I've come to old school guys, um, it, it wasn't there. We had to go learn it or talk to people or create relationships and and then we go back to the beginning of what we started to talk about Dara is relationships is so important. Um, the, yeah. the group, the club, the village, people who are there by your side to help you
0: through? It took me a long time to realise not everyone could visualise. I'd stand in the tile shop and I'd show people tiles and they're like, I can't picture that. And I'm like, I didn't realise it was actually a gift until yeah. enough people had actually said that to me. And I'm like, I can picture exactly what this is going to look like from one tile. But, yeah, it, that was a big moment for me because I was like, oh, OK, well, maybe there is something that I can do that not everyone else, I have a gift of some description. Yeah,
1: and, and so mm. there's two, two, two things there. You get the skill base and you think, oh gosh, I can do this and maybe it is, I think I take it for granted, but maybe it's not a normal skill and I completely get you and I understand. Mm. So I deal with. I draw a lot in front of clients because I, I remember a client saying about oh, 20 years ago, or something going, she looks at the husband, he just drew that in 3D or something. He goes, yeah, I'm watching it, hello. She goes, yeah, but he drew it upside down. So I'm drawing their kitchen for them, so they can see it upside down to me. Now, then I have to think, oh, I do I do that right? I'm not amazing. Ask me to do tax. Ask me to lift up the, <laughs> the bonnet of my car and ask whatever it is under there that goes. Not interested, right? I can tell you the colour I want, the double stitching on my on my leather interior and all that, everything aesthetic. But it's not my thing. So. You know, once you learn that skill base, it's important, but it also teaches us that when those people can't get it and can't see it, it's up to us to then become uh, a shepherd. Mm. We have to guide them through the process and whatever tools we have, however you do it, um, to then explain your vision that you can see it so easily to the client who's ultimately trusting you to put it in their house and add value to their probably their most expensive asset
0: they own. Absolutely. Now, I remember when we sat and had coffee in Fab Yeah. The tambourinos. And you were telling me how, am I for this TV show that I'm, <laughs> <laughs> that I'm, you know, a friend's trying to help me get on to. Mm. So you've obviously had quite the career in television, being on The Living Room and Sky News on Saturdays. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know the name of the show.
1: Yeah, it was Sky News and then it became your yeah. one. I know it's it's a little...
0: How it's did all the, talk great. us through how that all started and yeah. how much you love it. And I really think I you should it. be doing a travel show. <laughs> That's my next goal for you. So, you know, um, talk to us about it. Tell us the good bits, the bad bits, the ugly yeah, bits. Yeah,
1: of course, because there's the reality. It always looks greener, doesn't it? You know, you, you okay. aren't you lucky to own a business and work for yourself? Tara? Aren't you lucky? Oh. And you go, yeah, I'm so lucky. You should be here on a Saturday morning when I'm opening up and you're going to the beach, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah so it was a funny situation i had a really good friend um Carrie Suhardi she had a business Ella and Sophia she designed fabrics and wallpapers i don't know if you've met her um so we've stayed friends and we we Sandra and i had a design gallery so Sandra drew all the context of art and sculpture and things we had this gallery set up in Marrickville it was quite an arty area there's a lot of artists in that suburb And it was a way for me to get a studio. So when I first started out, I would go to every client's house. I'd meet with them at the brickyard. I'd meet with them at the tile yard. I had a garage with bricks and stuff stacked in it and I'd take them and I'd bring it and I worked on the dining room table. Like, where do you start? Um, Then I wanted to get a studio. So we thought we'd open a design gallery and sell paintings and sculpture and photography, et cetera. We called it Studio Dome. And that, by selling things helped me pay the rent to have a studio to work from as an interior designer. What happened? The business took off, the building design and interiors took off, so I was like overwhelmed. Carrie, we were selling some of her fabric, we, we had some things from her, <coughs> pardon me, cushions and door stops and things, fabric that she had designed. And she walked in one day and said, oh, look, I've got friends who, um, I've had some stuff on." Um, <coughs> you know, been working in TV and I said, oh, we should do a TV show together. And Sandra all across the room goes, don't listen to him. He says it to everyone. And she said, well, I know a production company. So <laughs> We talked about creating a home, an eco home at that time. So this is 10, 12 years ago. and. Um, we liked it, we thought about it, we formulated, we put something down and then we had a meeting with a production company and they liked the idea and Lifestyle Channel paid for the pilot to be made. So I told everyone about it because it was incredibly exciting. It was just one day of filming to create a pilot. I had a makeup lady and we had sound and mics clicked on and camera and it was all like, oh, this is all really cool. Um, and I told everyone about it and then the show never happened as 90% of TV oh. concepts never become reality. So I thought it was a lot of fun and I just put that to bed. So it was something I enjoyed doing. I used to do TV extras in the 90s uh, on the side. So it was something I was always interested in doing, but I thought, it's not me, I don't look like Brad Pitt, it's not my thing, right? Um, And then two years later, I got a phone call about this girl, she was the series producer of this new show, Um, we've seen you, we've got your um, pilot. I think I was carried around in a pocket for two years in a stick, you know, it's just on a stick. Um, and uh, we liked you and this is new show called The Living Room, would you be interested? So I, I got an email, I replied that day, this is on a Thursday, I wanted to see me the next day. So I went into a meeting on the Friday morning, I postponed a client and I was filming the following Wednesday, like five, four days or five days later. So I, I t- what happened is the camera guy turned in. I go, I'm really good with faces. I've got quite a photographic memory. I, I'll forget your name. I know Dara, but I'll forget your name, but I'll remember your face. And I notice when your hair's changed color or uh, it's just my brain, right? So I knew his face and he goes, I was the cameraman on your pilot. So it just made me feel a bit good that I knew this guy He's since become my mate. So I did this show called The Living Room. We, we filmed, it was three days of filming for, for 11 minutes or 12 minutes of film on a show. Like, it's crazy. Anyway, I liked it and it went well. And then um, uh, they liked it and they asked me to come back again. And so I did another show and then another show. And so I did four or five shows in season one. And then I went to the Christmas party and I knew really nobody was hanging out with Dylan who was the tradie guy and uh, and the makeup girls and they all sort of were nice to me and because I was new. And then um, I met the owners and they said, we we put you on contract. So it was all very unusual. it was really unexpected. I didn't know where it came from. So I was on that show on the living room for seven years. Um, I left last year, it was just time. So I I wasn't there for, which was last year's show. And then other things came on. I picked up an opportunity where a a crew turned up and asked me to join. So I joined a show called Open Homes Australia, um, which I joined them last year. I forgot about Sky News. So in between that, I was doing Sky News and The Living Room at the same time. So that was exciting. Because what happened is, I, I talked about when you learn something, that you use that knowledge somehow in your business. Yeah. My real estate certificate was the final thing I put up at a meeting um, because I had to meet with people to join Sky News to say, well, we know you can do TV, you're comfortable in front of the camera, we know you're interior designer, you know about houses, but this is a real estate show. And I go, well, I'm a qualified real estate agent. <laughs> really? Okay. So that was six hours live TV and I did that every Saturday for two years. So, as you know, I can talk a lot. Um, But um, my first EP, the executive producer, Kim Klein, she said, James, your skill is that when something happens, because it's live, we lose feeds, stuff happens, you've got an earpiece in that they can't, well, they're not supposed to see, and I can hear, oh, shit, we've dropped the feed. Quick, coming back to you now. Three, two, one. And, you know, we're usually sitting there like... hi, welcome back. We've been watching this show. We've just lost the feed and we've got to carry this thing because it's live. Um, she yeah. said, I can throw to you at any time and you can talk about a kitchen benchtop for an hour and make it sound utterly exciting. So I was like, okay, I said I can do that. Um, so it was really exciting and I loved it. I love the medium of television because you get to uh, pass on knowledge and tricks and, and your love of design to people in their lounge room. We're there watching it and they're comfortable because they're in their own space and they can digest it. Um, yep. And then, yeah, Open Homes Australia on, on Nine Lives, so I joined that last year. Um, we're supposed to already be filming now. We've got um, That was season three last year I joined the show. Um, season four we're already ready to start yep. filming, but everything's been pushed back because of um, COVID. So, um, I'll probably have a really crazy busy end of the year. We're hoping that things will start to lift up, that we can be filming and production's going to start again maybe mm-hmm. June, July, we're hoping. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to be really pushed because we've got a whole show that's a year's production that will be pushed back. So, um, yeah, look, it's an exciting medium. It's sometimes, like everything, Dara, it looks exciting from the outside, you know? TV looks automatically very glamorous, but it's not the 80s, you know? We don't have a dining truck there and people running around after us with director chairs with our... name. Oh, nothing like that at all we're lucky we get a bottle of water but um on that show i work with a really small production team and they're just great and like we fly down to tasmania and fly to adelaide and and get to do homes around the country we have michael and carlene who are ex block they do um uh, queensland um and then there's um bessie who does um victoria so it's a really nice tight show that we get to walk in through beautiful homes and talk with the designers or the architects. So, yeah, I I, I love it. If I can get to talk about houses and design and architecture, I'm, I'm like um, a pig in mud.
0: (laughs) And what about the medium of live TV? Like that would be quite different to the recorded.
1: Yeah. um, Live TV is great. I I actually prefer live. I love life. Um, the the live TV was that cameras were on us. We had three cameras and they're opera. We were filming in Surrey Hills at, um,
0: Mm. at
1: Sky, but the head office and the people controlling the cameras were actually in ride. So for people who aren't in Sydney, it's like, you know, six suburbs away and they're automated. So these cameras on the ground, there's tape, to show where they move. So if you like, um, there's a camera like this, right? And there's tape on the ground. So the, the camera does this moves and then there's another one here and they direct and move to, to face to you and change angles. And the tape on the ground so that you don't walk in there so that you won't be hit by a camera if it's being moved automatically. So um, it's, they were like Daleks from Doctor Who. It was quite amazing. Um, and you've got an earpiece, so I, My brain can't cope with, I have to always have the earpiece on the opposite side to my co-host. So I, I did the show originally with a, a girl called Bridie up in Queensland who was beautiful, blonde, and then um, um, and then it sort of changed, and I had new casts come in, and um, you know we all got together and really had an amazing time. So I had Sophie Hull next to me, um, and she's like Wonder Woman, she's tall and glamorous, and incredibly witty, and she's got a very strong journalism background. So I was the only non-journalist working uh, on the camera for Sky News, um, which was quite exciting, but. Um, being able to construct sentences that make sense and pass information on and digest and talk about things as long as you don't you know drop the f-bomb um which i'm not going to do in front i don't do it in front of a client uh everything else can get by and if you slur or you muck up your words or you know if i say um um oh sarah i mean sally and you keep going it you digest that and people watch that and accept it whereas in recorded television that would be okay okay let's do it again let's do it again, and then a bus pulls up and then a bird goes past and a plane, you cough, all those things, let's do it again. So sometimes something might be seven, eight takes, and then maybe the energy's not the same or the moment's gone, do you know what I mean? Whereas when it's live, it's raw and it's real and it's utterly exciting, I love live TV. It
0: would be exciting. And I guess the perfectionism isn't there of recording (laughs) TV, where it has to be perfect constantly, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's different, it's like what we're doing now. People get this. People who are watching this, um, they're they're into what we're watching. They see us. They can they can feel the honesty of who we are because it's very raw. Like we're very exposed in live TV. It's like um, it's like you're like you're you're naked. It's like you're nude because you're so vulnerable. Because you don't have any. If you muck up or you pull a weird face or something happens or there's a noise over there or you look at someone. Pardon me, off camera. All of that is included. It's not edited. So editing is a really powerful tool. And it can make or break a movie or a TV show. Totally In okay, life, yeah. you're self-editing the whole time. So you've got to make sure that you're standing straight and you don't pull that weird face and don't get that double chin thing that you do or whatever it is. You've got to know that yourself. It's, it's exciting. I love it.
0: Um, I'm so proud of you. I just want you to know that and say Thank that you. publicly. Thank
1: you, you. And you know what, with friends like you, um, and 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 I'm pretty lucky. I've got good. I've got friends that I've had since you know. Carve is one of my best mates. He's a twin, and I'm a twin, and we always joke that we were mixed up at birth. But i um, If you know who you are, um, you don't change. So you know, I, I'm the, I'm very much the same on camera and as off camera. So I, uh, I know who I am. You don't have to put on any airs and graces. And in small production, I think it's it's pretty true in Australian television. I haven't worked overseas in TV, but. Um, yeah yet. Um, But, um, you know, I'm going to carry the lighting stuff and carry stuff for the sounding and lighting guys. Like, that's what we do. I don't just go, oh, okay, I'm finished and walk away and they have to clean everything up. Like, I just don't, it's not what I do in my normal life anyway. So um, it's good and that creates good rapport with those people because those people have the power to make you feel comfortable in front of the camera and, and look good and look intelligent and that
0: and
1: (laughs) that is alexander and my new thing our son (laughs) he's yeah 16 in a couple of weeks um we always say i'm really intel because he's now doing school online which is really difficult because not enjoying it um i said i did you learn something in that and he goes yep and that (laughs)
0: anyway stuff in that yeah Mm -hmm. um so you've just moved into a new studio we have do you want to show us i can show you um Do you know
1: the benefit, this is one thing that's great for our industry, Uh, Australia, the world, is locked in and they're stuck looking at four walls and their floor and their ceiling, we look at the floor, other people look at the ceiling, um, and they realise how important their space is, where they live, because they've been stuck in there. Um, So all of those decisions on your finishes and your fixtures and the materials that you have around you, and ultimately the space that you spend time in, has a huge effect on you, on your well-being, on how you feel when you wake up in the morning, or how you feel when you're working. You know, so um, we we moved in January. I've been in the last studio for six years, so we used to film the living room in there. It was a huge shop, big space, like three and a half meter high ceilings, and but it was walls of dark. With all our stuff, Cassandra, as I said, paints. He has his creative side on one side of the studio, and I have all my stuff on the other. And I slowly take over all of his surfaces. Um, um, but now we've moved to this new space, so I can sort of show you. Um, we've got um, we've got a kitchenette. It's like a it's been like a community centre or something. So I've got highlight windows on all four sides. We've got a kitchenette. There's my library over there. So. No books in my library. This is my proper library, and I've got other books. But this looking is looking dis- very neat. Designer library, very neat for me, Dara. I think I'm glad you mm. know. I've got my workbench <laughs> over there where I put things together, and I've got all that natural light flooding in. We've got a space. Hang on, I'll keep twisting. I'm coming around. There's our seating area. There's Sandro, Say hello. <laughs> so Sandra's got headphones on because he's editing videos that we do and social media stuff. So he's got to listen to me bloody talking um and then yeah
0: here's
1: my boxing bag so oh, yeah i'm going to be a built and big and i'll look like tom hardy next time see you see me um okay which will be hard to walk <laughs> past a mirror but you get that um so yeah it's a really good space um but as i said i think that all of this has happened to make you realize how important it is the space that you work in you know um yeah. like you building industry is considered an essential Business, um, So I've been able to work through this whole process and we've been creating, we create content from my major builder that I work with in New South Wales, which is Edinburgh And then um, I, do, I do, I create display homes for them. And then I also have my other boutique builders and my individual clients. So
0: I've
1: been able to adapt the business. And that's a big thing I think for people in this time in business in general, to be able to be adaptable, to be able to sustain when things, when the storm comes, you know, and we've been living in the middle of, the worst storm that we've had in generations that we've had to that have sort of changed the whole way we live. So in business I think it's about being adaptable to be able to ride the storm, yeah?
0: The word is pivot. Pivot. Yes, everyone's pivoting. It's like that friends episode when they're trying to get the couch up the the stairs. It's yes. like pivot.
1: Pivot. I had a um, yeah, I was speaking to a friend, you know, and I, I use lots of analogies and how I explain things to clients because it, it helps me understand. I like complex things can be explained in simplistic ways, I think. And I talk about the fruit bowl, you know, and I had a client, a good friend of mine who's had a business for many years and she was having a bit of a rough time at the end of last year, but <clears throat> her jobs are very high end. Um, so I talked about her fruit bowl being like these two big artichokes half dipped in gold and that's her business and then what happens is if there's something happened and she loses a job her fruit bowl is half there's only one piece of fruit there and when i spoke like this she said well there's no fruit in my bowl at the moment so running that's where a lot of people are right now right so my fruit bowl i have sort of a big watermelon there if you like it's 40 percent of my business and it's my major builder and then i have my boutique builders and that's probably another you know bits of fruit and then I have all my private clients that come and then I have TV and social media and all these other things that I've just built over time that have come to me. You know, it's a combination of working bloody hard, connecting constantly, a sprinkling of really good luck and opportunity because that's, you know, some people just are great but never get a foot in the door and I've, I've had that luckily and but once you, my dad used to say who you know gets you there and what you know keeps you there, it's a really good saying. So if you've got no cred and you don't know what you're doing, all of the opportunities, in the world will mean nothing. So you've always got to learn and continually yeah. self-educate and grow. And so that, I mean, definitely my fruit bowl, pieces of fruit have been taken out. It's it's not a great time, but I think it's a really positive time by how you view it. And I can still just alter what I'm doing and still keep, you know, plodding along as a business.
0: Yeah. It's, you do a lot of talks on trends because of all the travel you do. Mm. So what trends do you see could potentially be coming out of this for the design industry or for people's homes or, you know, even restaurants? Um, Yeah.
1: Um, So, yeah, look, so I've been pretty privy. We were supposed to go to Milan this year, as I said, which is just last week or whatever it was, last week or the week before. Um, So I've been to Milan twice before and I was really disappointed because I particularly love kitchens. It's my passion is kitchens. And and in Milan fair, kitchens is every second year. Um,
0: Oh, the it was five, it this year? So it's kitchens, mm.
1: so it'll be two years until kitchens again. So kitchens and bathrooms, one year, furniture every year, and then the other alternate year is office and lighting. So they go kitchen, bathroom, office, lighting, and they alternate, um, <clears throat> pardon me. So the other thing is the tile fair where we've met together in um, uh, side that's International Tile Fair. It's the biggest tile fair in the world, and that's in Bologna every September. And I've gone to that now seven years in a row. Um, which we weren't going to go this year. But if it all clears up, we might end up trying to get there. But I, I don't think we're getting international travel by the end of this year. So it's unfortunate. So yes, I get to see those trends and I write about them in a magazine and present on them.
0: But to Sorry, come- don't you think that the whole trade fair model is going to change as well?
1: I think it's going to have to. Um, look, I'm in a position where I'm waiting for some more information. I got picked up to be the ambassador for decor design this year in Melbourne, which is to be in June. So that'll be postponed. I think it's going to be later in the year. Um, we should be able to travel yeah. between states by then and I think we'll want to because we all need to get out and see each other and yeah. do things and, and we're lucky yeah. you know, there's big hubs particularly between Sydney and Melbourne but everyone comes from around the state around the country rather so I'm waiting to get the go ahead of that so if it all back on come and say hello with Decor Design um, as far as trends are I think there's a few really good things that are coming through we've had a big trend or trends that have been culminating for the last few years and it's a really big a strong emphasis on natural materials, on getting back to basics of things, valuing things that are handmade and unique instead of, you know, tiles that are perfect and everyone's the same. Some that have those natural imperfection, and, and you've seen it in tiles, mm-hmm. ones that replicate beautifully natural stones and natural timbers and, and um, that have texture and undulating surfaces. I think those sort of products are still going to contain, continue because in a world where we've got you know so much technology that's clean and smooth and shiny, we we crave as humans to to touch and to be touched, and I mean that in a non kinky way or kinky way. Um, and um, so surfaces that are tactile and textural are naturally things that we want in our homes and in our spaces. So I think that that's still going to continue. And you know you see it in laminates and in um, veneers, very textured timber grains and um, high texture and open weave in fabric. I think that that's all gonna continue. Um, I think interestingly, which is something that we've talked about for years, I know you and I have spoken about it, and you you have your own designs and tiles and things manufactured as well, and you get specific product in, um, is the power of handmade and then going back to locally made and Australian made. It's a long road for us to have that. Manufacturing has been gone for decades, well before we're born, really. Um, you know the Australian made idea is something we want and can advocate in food and in restaurants and things like that we can do that because it's a quicker made thing that's digestible of course because it's food in manufacture right. yeah in manufacture of goods like you know all of the tiles and things that the technology and the factories, like the major tile companies that we go to, I go to tile factories that are immense. They're like a little city in in Italy. It's it's Sassuolo, which is like the, the silver water, the industrial area outside of Bologna. Um, they're a whole that, that whole region is sustained by tile manufacturing. It's been like that for thousands of years, you know. I, I mentioned Carrara, like that Carrara stone quarry that I went to that's where Michelangelo's stone came from. It's that's the same quarry. It's been going for you know a thousand, two thousand Romans got stuff from there. They're still digging there, there's so much of it. Um, we don't have that, but we can bring start to create and support artisans, local small makers, and that's where it all started. So if we can do that and value that, because of course this thing, this thing that's gonna be handmade by um, Sophie or Joe in a factory around the corner in Australia because of the cost of the electricity and the shed and their time and all these things, it's going to have a different value to being mass produced in another country where the labour costs are so cheap that they can give me, you know, a thousand of them for the same... You know what I mean? Like, we've got to learn as consumers to value that thing to be able to afford for handmade industry to start again. And then those small makers can have an apprentice and have somebody working. And then they can grow. So it will take time, but I think we could grow, regrow our manufacturing industry in Australia, and each country can do that, because we should. We've got creatives instead of us totally. using creative ideas and having everything made offshore.
0: Well, we used to do the uh, terracotta and quarry tiles here. That was the last tile manufacturing on a larger yeah, scale. Right. Um, so Barossa Ceramics, Robertson's, they're still around. Um, Eureka, Austral. Yeah. They all used to do terracotta tiles and yeah. maybe they'll start doing them again purely oh, because
1: yeah. it's- terracotta was out of favour maybe in the 80s but it's definitely back isn't it? i'm using terracotta um i've just bought some new pots for the courtyard outside and um i, I love terracotta because it's um you know such an a, an earthy product but it's a beautiful color tone and um it breathes and it it, it can be re- you know you can smash it and recycle it and reuse it again um so it's good to hear yeah. you know i think that I think that that's what I think anyway is trends. I mean, people will have different opinions. Trends, what are trends driven by? They're, they're driven by cultural things. You might see in a, you saw the power of, um, um what is it called? Um, um, that guy, Mumbai, what was the, um, that amazing TV show where the boy went on, who wants to be a millionaire in India? What's
0: Slumdog that? Millionaire. Slumdog
1: Millionaire, thank you. Yeah. Slumdog Millionaire, when that happened, it came at the same time as, you know, all that music and so all of that culture of Indian culture through that movie and through other sources all came at once and all of a sudden we started to see colors and spices in food and a lot of uh, patterns in tiles that were Indian and ethnic and exotic because of that so that drove a trend that came through media and many sources for us to see it um it's also then for a trend to survive is is the consumer the consumer has to be comfortable to Purchase that product and have it here. The perfect example in Australia is rose gold. You know, in the tile fair last year, which is tiles and bathrooms, rose gold in tapware is everywhere. And Europeans and Americans are consuming it. It's everywhere. They love it. Australia, because it appeared in Kmart overnight and it's everywhere, we've been overexposed to it. So rose gold came and went really quickly. But I'm putting brushed um, gold and um, brasses and coppers still in finishes in homes because those aged, worn textural surfaces in the metallics have still survived. Black that's going to be here for a long time. It's coming and it's it's going to be here. Yeah. Um, you're not your thing.
0: No, I love black. Yeah. Hello.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hello. <laughs> um, so it works well and it's going to be around for a while. Black too. Um, chrome, of course, is timeless. And it's always going to be here. And stainless steel is another one. So I think. Trends are driven. But for us as Australians, as consumers, we've got to value value the value of things that are made locally and and sourced, which then flows on to the economy. Um, And I'm all about buying things. I I get it. I don't want people to not buy things. We all need to consume just to change our sofa and to change our jacket and jumper. We need to update and do things. Things wear. Things change. our, Our tastes change. But I think yep. we've got to value buying really good things, buying quality instead of quantity. I'd rather have some really good stuff in my home instead of lots of it that I don't value anyway then. And then hopefully there'll be less rubbish going out on council pickup anyway because things aren't cheap. If it's a better made thing, it can be passed on and reused. Yeah. Yeah. What about things up. like,
0: <laughs> um, yeah, like office design and all that, cause that's obviously going to change now people, <laughs> Are working from home who previously weren't able to work from home.
1: I think that's exciting, Dara. I mean, I only yeah. studio to come to here, and we. I have a space, so we come between home and here, and I basically cross a bridge, you know, to do that um, where I am in, in Sydney. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, but we've seen so many businesses probably fighting the fact because they think, oh, if I let you work from home, you're not going to work. You're going to sit on your bum and eat popcorn and watch yeah. Netflix. Um, and Nothing wrong with that. Um, But I think people are really driven to want to succeed and have their businesses anyway. And as our lives go, I think it has a different energy. Why can't I be talking to you, creating a colour scheme, working on all these files that I've got here of work to get done? And, um, you know, I mean, this is not my home, but throw a load of washing in while I'm doing that and then that's dealt with instead of me having to do that when I get home and then the kids come and I can't talk to them. I think it's a really clever way to be able to. I think there's a balance though. I I think businesses, if they could work, if people could work remotely three days a week, four days a week, maybe, and have a one or two day in the office where I get to see you and we have a meeting.
0: People still uh, need contact. Correct. And we
1: still need our, um, I I like the word of the village, you know. We, we, in Australia, I think that, you know, when I grew up, I knew every, we knew, we were the twins from the corner house. We knew everybody and they knew us. (laughs) We knew all our neighbours across the street and everyone now we live in a place where we don't know our next door neighbors so yeah. um that's sad and hopefully that changes through this process because you, you're stuck at home you might say hello across the fence the same is mm-hmm. at work you need to have that contact with people in your industry and who you work with um and then you can still have the balance and work at home three days a week and maybe go to the office two or one imagine what that then does environmentally we are already seeing the air is clearer water's clear like uh, there's less cars on the road all of those things will happen naturally in a shift with how we work which also gives us better lifestyle maybe this virus is going to be a habit for all of its negatives um it's going to have some amazing ramifications that are completely positive for how we live and how we value where we live and how we look after where we live and all of those big deep things which everybody really does think about i think we all want to live well and look after the planet and do all of those things you know there's the idiot who flicks a cigarette on the ground and dumps the stuff out of the car they're always going to be here they're just idiots um, and you need to tell them like i do when the kids get upset but um most 95 percent are great and do care so if we get the tools to enable us to do that i reckon it's i think it's good and make your space look nice and then you don't feel bad when when people say, Oh, you're going overseas again, okay. Yeah, but I'm in here working every bloody Saturday mostly. Um, I have Sundays off to catch up on stuff to deal with the crazy life and people's expectations and design their kitchens.
0: So I guess what are you doing to relax? How do you switch off?
1: Mm. We Talk walk question. down here. Yeah, good question. Um <laughs> I get asked this a lot by Sandro. Um, my problem is, I I think people need hobbies. I think people all need hobbies to switch off from what they do. My problem is that my hobby aligns with my work. So mm. I don't actually view that I get stuck going to work because I could wake up at seven and just get on the phone to you and talk tiles and, you know, and, and draw up a kitchen and I love it, I love it. So, um, you know, up in there, those, I don't think you can see those. They're my funky new containers that I've got. <laughs> and they're all labelled. They're all different houses um, working um, uh, where I keep all the samples. I'll show you. I don't know what's inside. But, um, you know. So I keep in here. Um, I can adjust. For
0: each project? Yeah. So I just keep
1: quick samples of the, you know, the carpet and the tile and the, the things to keep me really clear when I'm grabbing stuff and the paint samples and stuff. Um, and it's labelled. So I've been doing this because of COVID. So it's kept me so organised don't even recognize myself. Um, so um, I think um, as far as a hobby, it's tricky for me. Uh, we travel as hobbies. So I work really hard and then we can disappear. So last year I was away for the whole month of September, um, which was very decadent, but i would worked every weekend for, throughout the whole year. So it's about what you have. I think life is a balance. Um, I put the boxing bag up because I've had that boxing bag for like six years and it was sitting on the floor and I've never used it, so it's up and I started to use it. it. You might not notice any dramatic change yet, but it, it's, it's a work in motion, uh, a <laughs> work in progress rather. Um, so a, a good thing is I signed up for, I don't want to become an advocate for this because I don't get paid to say it, but I signed up for the Masterclass thing on Netflix. Um, Same. Yeah. And, I actually think if you're creative that you'll get a lot out of it. We've, I've, I sat and watched um, Christina Aguilera talking about singing and I'm not, a, I can sing, believe it or not, but I'm not wishing to be a singer. But when you listen to someone who's really good at what they do and you hear their processes and their thoughts, yeah. you can get something out of it and adapt that to you, even if you're a mechanic or a fence builder or a gardener or I don't know what you do once you understand people's reasoning or processes is about, I think it's very powerful. So I've enjoyed it. It's. I've signed up to that and... Um, I've, watched
0: I've watched the Anna Winter one. We've I've watched, watched a few, few of them too and RuPaul.
1: Yeah. And so there are, for people who don't know it, I, you know, I'm not selling the product. It's a, it's an, a membership <laughs> for the year to watch and you get all of these um, specialists in their fields that talk about, I mean, I'd love to do it, beyond it actually. But um, there's specialists in their field that you get to hear their processes and who they are and what they do and how they became and then lessons. So you feel very one-on-one because it's down the barrel, sort of like this is, um,
0: mm.
1: when you're being spoken to. Uh, I think it's a great thing. So I, I've enjoyed doing that. I actually read, so I, I read a lot. Um, <clears throat> and I always have books next to Yeah, I love crime. I love David Baldacci. Um, so I love oh, yeah. crime and thrillers. <laughs> He's a great writer. Um, <clears throat> I also you know have design books that then I managed to pull out and, and I actually pulled one out the other day it's not here because of you but um you know um beautiful Kara McCartney I don't know if you know or ever met her but she's beautiful mm. and you know I consider her a friend but you know one of her books so um there's lots of uh creative design books that you can um that you can get and download I'm going to start to put them as part of my newsletter actually Darren i put a book each newsletter or something that I love because there's so many design books that you can buy online and go to Dimmicks or whichever online store you like to buy from and get them sent to you. And um, when everything's online now, I still like, I like books. Sandra and I could open a bookshop. We have so many books. Um, And I like to hold a book and I like the smell of a book. Um, And I like to read. And when I'm reading some crime thing, I mean, of course I do read about design, but if I'm reading crime and it's something that's crazy, it switches me off from your house and your staircase and your, flooring that I've got to design, otherwise I'm likely to wake up at 2 o'clock and go, oh, shit, I didn't send off that email or I haven't done that, you know, facade, yeah. that house that they're waiting for, that development or something, because I tend to have, it's great, I've got a lot of clients on, it's all wonderful, Like they're, fast, they're all clients, but um, it's also deadlines and pressure and sometimes anxiety, so if I get to switch off, then I go to bed and I crash and I wake up and I'm ready to start again. So. I, yeah, reading, I suppose, is a really good thing, I love it.
0: Who would your... If you could have any client, who would you have? Who would your dream client be? Mm. Mm.
1: Tom Hardy, but we might not get
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally coming to that meeting. <laughs> um, really good question. Um, I don't know.
1: I'm pretty lucky with the clients that I have. I don't know that I have a dream client. A dream client to me would be one that would let me have a lot more involvement in the design of the architecture of the home, because um, I'm all about passive design and orientation of home. And the problem is that when we're living in a world now where block sizes are getting smaller, that we can have to fit a home to it. So, unfortunately, out of Sydney, out of the capital, of course, it's different, where block sizes are larger. So. Um, I suppose I'd like a client that has the vision to be able to want to listen, <coughs> to create a space that they're going to have an impact on their on, on, on who they are and, and how they live. Um, yep. And, I, I, look, I've done some work. I've, I've designed for friends in the Netherlands and I've done some fr- friends in the UK, but I don't call myself an international designer because I know them and I helped them with their houses because I was there. Um, but yep. um, overseas would be fun. Um, I'd love to do some more work, uh, more, do work in Italy, because we go there and I understand the culture. I have, um, you know, uh, uh, a few generations back, I have an Italian connection through my mum and um, she was Marcantelli, her maiden name. So all I got is, you can tell there's an ethnicity because I talk like a want with my hands. Um, but I, f- I feel very comfortable in that culture. And I like that the, the, the differences between the climate there of cold to hot is more extreme than what we have here. It's quite mild in Sydney um and when you've got a difference in climate i think it impacts really positively on how you use your house because there's parts of the home that um, are based, and you get to enjoy different parts of your home when it's very hot in summer so when you have those changes in uh, the seasons i think it impacts how you use your house so i like that concept you know Mm. i was talking to a client the other day about um you know we talk about the facade and how you look when you come to the house and you walk down the house and how it looks but how does it actually look coming the other way because that's how you're going to live. You're going to walk up that hallway to your bedroom. What does it look like that way? We can't just look this way because it's, it's all just a presentation veneer thing. It's not real how you use the space. So understanding how we walk through the home and use it is very interesting to how the design decisions are made and the finishes and materials. And I think that's the same with a client. So who would I design for? Mm, Tom Hardy and then anybody, if they've got money and, and, and a vision. I have to be honest.
0: We'll just go Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's great.
1: I'll design for Kylie. Kylie Minogue, if you're watching, I love you. I'll look after her as well.
0: Well, Greg said um, Madonna.
1: Yeah. Well, we loved her. We love her too. She's a Leo, like me, so we get along very well. We we went to her concert. I think she's amazing. She's another Mm. one that actually comes up at times like this because she's made herself current and on trend. Whether you like her music or not is irrelevant. She's reinvented herself for every decade um, and made herself... Madonna. Yes, and made herself... And Madonna, karaoke. yeah. And, um, and her music's changed, and you know, from me rocking around to listening to her at a school disco. So, yeah, I think, yeah, she would be quite amazing. I could do... I could, I could, I could quite happily meet Madonna. She's very different to what I think you like. You know, in that car, carpool karaoke, she... As she says, she doesn't really drink much. She doesn't go out. She doesn't do drugs. She's very different to what... Mm. He, Perhaps people think that she's like um so yeah i could do madonna as well
0: kylie minogue would be fun
1: i think she'd be lots of fun she's another one who's completely authentic she's gone through the roller coaster she survived she knows yeah. who she is she's stayed mm.
0: genuine um yeah i love her the okay, and how how do you i mean you say you work a lot and then you travel for to relax but what how do you wellness wise like what do you do to um, james
1: yeah i walk we walk I, I walk i don't walk enough as much now i normally do walk, I walk a lot so down here' we're, we're, I'm, I'm five minutes away from the bay the bay run which is seven and a half yeah. km um around you cross a bridge and you walk around the bay unless there's a lion me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mind watching people run um but walking is very cathartic i think it's really good ad. it's great for to clean your head and clean your body and to move um to be active um i yeah. love being uh, I actually, we always travel. When we travel, we always go near water, um, and of course the Mediterranean's amazing because the temperature. Um, but we have a place up the coast as well at um, the central coast, and 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 yeah, I'll, I'll get in the water most times of the year. Um, there's something quite amazing of being in water, in salt water. Yeah, uh, yeah. Normally over Christmas, Christmas was terrible because of the bushfires. But normally I'm over at Balmoral. Um, I watched the, the you know the big the whalers go past, so they don't want to drag me in off the beach. But um, it's, uh, I think, something quite beautiful to be in water. And music, I have music playing normally now. So while I'm talking to you, I always have music on. I have playlists that I listen to. I like a lot of lounge music. Um, I might put in London lounge or, um, you know, funky Rio relaxing vibes or something that I can search for just to get some background music that makes me feel like that there's something happening around me that I sort of am part of while I'm burying my head in work and creativity. So music is very important and, and, and water.
0: And what's, um, I guess it's a bit hard to say what's coming in the future because we don't really know, but what's coming in the future?
1: Um, well, I had another show that I did a pilot for last year. Um, um, rebuild or Renovate, uh, Renovate or Rebuild, rather. Um, it's another show to go on Nine Life, so Nine Life, the lifestyle channel of, of Channel Nine. Um, so I came on, we did a pilot last year and it was picked up. I love this show because it fits aligns with what I do with Planet Arc. So I'm an ambassador with Planet Arc. There's a few ambassadors, Lane Beachley's one, and uh, Kerry Ann Kenley does work with them as well. But um, Planet Ark, I joined about Five or six years ago, six six years, seven years, um, through through contacts through the living room, really, because we, I was doing on that show. I was we had ridiculously stupid budgets in the first five so years of that show, where we'd have to deck out a bedroom or a lounge room, and we were like given a thousand dollars, like it was crazy. So we would always go to the salvos and repurpose and repaint, and so because I was always talking about, you know. Solid timber furniture that can be sanded and repainted and reused again and reinvented and just changing the handles and I love that upcycling Concept that recycling upcycling Um, So I think Mm. that that was good and that fits in with this show. So this shows about two teams that go against each other Um, One team says your house is crap. I'm going to knock it down and build a new one. and It's going to cost you this much, but I'll give you all of these benefits and the other one says, actually, what's there? it's okay. Let's add to it and do it. And it will cost this much. And these are the benefits. So there's a big environmental push. They talk about the energy consumption, um, passive design. <coughs> really interesting, you saw so in the pilot, we did a home where the brick wall was on the inside of the house. So it was a brick veneer home in reverse. It had timber walls outside brick wall inside. And it was very interesting for me to watch oh. that because it's quite different to how I view homes, but it works so well because the heat, it's the timber. And slowly, it doesn't heat up like a brick wall outside. And inside, if you've got the heater on, you're heating a brick wall which radiates back into the house. Like, it worked really well. So there's some amazing Mm -hmm. concepts in that show. Um, Yeah, I've got a beach house up the Central Coast that I wanted to pitch and and reno that as a show, which we are in discussions and that's all gone quiet now. So watch this space. Um, And Sandra and I are in the process Mm -hmm. of creating a lot of video content. So you can keep an eye on that. easily follow Instagram and all that stuff, I'll let you know, but um, about instructive ways of the kitchens and bathrooms that I'm creating, so I'll be explaining the process of what I do and and, and putting a lot of that video content out on YouTube. And in, in two weeks or so, I think, I'm looking over, um, we're launching, I've been working on a house in Manly for two and a half years with the mm-hmm. clients. Uh, it was the original home of Mr. Paulman's, um, perched on the hill looking at it over the ocean, and this client's bought it mm-hmm. and it's just—it's like grand designs worthy. We we took out the old rickety garage and put new garage and stairs, and have really transformed this home. And new bathrooms, and new paint scheme, and of course use Torben's paint because it's a Taubman's, Mr. Torben's house. But the shed in the back where he used to mix <laughs> paint. Um, so that's all wow. been in a couple of weeks. We've done lots of video content, lots of images, and it's a beautiful home. It's 1906 or seven or something. Um, but I retain so much and the floorboards and it's a real character home. So it's very different to these big, ultra modern ones that I I, I get a lot of these days. Um, It's so much character. Um, Yeah, so that's gonna be coming out as well. Just more houses, Dara. What is, what is there? What else is there?
0: (laughs) What else (laughs) is there there to do? Yeah,
1: I think, and and we need to get back outside and have a meal with some friends and lighten up a little bit. It's been quite overwhelming, you know. it's, um, It's hard, our kids are going through it, you know. Um, they're teenagers. They, they're going back to school. They started this just last week, one day a week. And um, they so mm-hmm. need to be with their friends, they're, you know, 14 and 15. They need that. It's such an important age to, well, any age, isn't it? But they need to be with their peers, their their contacts and be developing and who, finding out who they are um, with their friends and the people of the same age. So that, that's all going to come up too.
0: Where can people find you? What's the best? Um,
1: well, uh, Instagram, designer James Trevor, I post stuff on there. Um, I don't fill that up with lots of waffle. I put, I try and put information out there and nice images. Um, yep. I have Facebook as well. Uh, I have a newsletter, so you can sign up to that. Um, and that's going to be lots of information as well and tips and tricks. Um, so you can see what I'm doing and i let you know when TV shows are coming and those sort of things. Um, I do have video mm-hmm. content coming up. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in the process of creating some online product to sell, like ebook type things. And I don't want to say too much about them because then I've got this ball rolling down the hill making me <laughs> do it all. You then know, you I, have to do I, it, yeah. Yeah, but um, it's been a process that we've been discussing for some time. So um, there's lots of content. That
0: what's I've your YouTube out. channel?
1: Um, my YouTube channel, what's my YouTube channel? Oh, Designer James Travel. Isn't that bad that I'm just got to check? <laughs> um, uh, so yeah. You need a Sandra in your life. So I have sandra who looks after my stuff for me these days. So keeps me organised. It becomes a bit overwhelming sometimes, all the things that we have to do um, to keep operating as a business. Um, so he, he he looks after me and filters lots of things before they, before they get to me because um, otherwise I can be overwhelming. And my problem is, as he tells me, is that I'll get clients and I say yes to everything. Can you do me this? Can you help me with this? We want you to talk to this design school. Can you come in here and fly to... This place and talk to these builders and I go yes yes sure yeah and then ah and then I've got deadlines and things to be everywhere so um yeah that's the problem I need more time in my life.
0: Well, that's what COVID's given us. Yes, they time. have. Uh, they have given the gift us. of time.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Well, thank you for your time today.
1: Pleasure, darling. Love you lots.
0: Thank you. I love you.
1: You. love you long time. I look forward to seeing you. Congratulations on all your success down there as well. It's a hard business Thank running you. a business, especially a beautiful, you know, design tile gallery, but, um, you know, Oh, mm. I've even got, look, I've even got the, biser. these are a collector's edition, everyone. Um, I have, uh, yes, it's always yeah. still on my desk. Um, I got this when you launched. Um, so yes. and to go down there, but I look forward to seeing you when I come down to Melbourne, which I hopefully, uh, I hope it's not too long. And the big message I think Dari is and what you're doing right now—it's really good. Thanks for thanks for calling and doing this. Um, stay positive, you know. Even when we're down in life, the worst stage of your life—if you look outside, the birds are singing, the sky is usually blue. We're going to get through this. It's going to be stronger. And all of these stories, i was telling our kids, you know, all of these stories from our grandparents who who lived through war and had hard time and they talk about you know when I was young and we had one pair of shoes with 15 kids and we only you know shared three eggs and all these stories that they tell you um, and we just go yeah yeah whatever that's what made them stronger characters and valuing stuff that they have and so I told uh, Alexander you know and Francesca that we're going through that right now we're getting all of the benefits of those lessons we're learning to value things um, but what they had to help also go through at the same time when they had it was war and we don't have war, we don't have anyone running around with guns and tanks yeah. and all those things. So the world is... Thankfully. Lessons ..without all of the ramifications. So I think it's positive and I choose to view it like that.